0: Hi there, you're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. This is Jack J. Hutchinson.
1: My heart is heavy And my pride has been bruised Tell me what a good man's gonna do When you lay your money down
2: That is the Cold Stairs Heavy Shoes. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Happy Sunday to you. Hope you're all having a good weekend. Hope you're ready for the upcoming week. Next weekend is Labor Day, kind of the official end to summer. I know we'll have a few weeks where we'll have some summer-like weather, but fall is upon us. It's hard to believe that we're four months from Christmas. That's just incredible this year has flown by, but excited about the show, man. We've got Chris Tapp coming up here shortly from the cold stairs. Had the pleasure of seeing him Wednesday, last Wednesday, at a place called The Forge in Joliet, Illinois. It's about 50 minutes from me. Uh, It's about a good 45 minutes maybe an hour from the city of Chicago, depending on, you know, where you're coming from, but got a chance to finally see the Cold Stairs, and I was blown away. An absolute killer performance. Was, you know, obviously we hear the music on the album, and I'm a huge fan of it, but watching them live was next level. It was a holy shit moment, as I like to say. Very Sabbathy, very ZZ top very hard. I mean, I, I've listened to their catalog, and I know their album here is a little um, heavier than previous albums, but to see them, man, they bring it. And, you know, the the relationship between Chris and Brian, the drummer, is really tight. Brian's an amazing drummer. I mean, amazing pocket just blew me away. Chris, you know, with his riffs and playing, And the way he gets that bottom end on a guitar to make that two-piece sound like there's more people on the stage is just tremendous. Uh, Great guys. Finally had a chance to meet him after the show at the merch table, talking for a bit. Uh, Pleasure to talk with them. Very humble, very great guys. And um, I wish them nothing but continued success. As they move forward, they've got some opportunities that they're going to be talking about, or Chris is going to be talking about on the shows, and I'll let him tell you all about it. But uh, a great band, a great album here released in the third quarter, Heavy Shoes. Um, Visit their website, coldstairs.com. Visit their website and uh, go buy that album. I mean, they got a nice collector's edition, limited edition vinyl that's got like this gold looks like a bowling ball, you know, the way it's laid out on the vinyl. It's really cool. And the album itself is kind of like a piece of art. I highly recommend it. Um, one of my favorite new bands that are out there, they've been around for a little bit. Um, I know they've done the Joe the Bonamassa Cruise a couple of times. Uh, I know they opened up with some other bands too as well. But I think this was the first time they were in Chicago and had to go see them, had to make the trek out. To the forge, and it was a blast. It was well worth it. So, I hope you enjoy the interview coming up here. Great guy, uh, lots to talk about, and I hope you enjoy. So, let's take care of some business and we'll get to the interview. Once again, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering. Chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer, lasting erections. Let's have a good time, baby. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and a fraction of the cost. Cha-ching. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger, Erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. It's probably the most important thing in any relationship. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of our They're licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sodenophil, and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, America, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for the Hook Rocks podcast listener. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code, Milk sh- 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 Shake at checkout. Just paying $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code Milk sh- 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 Shake to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks podcast. It's time for my next guest. I uh, saw him in. Uh, Joliet, Illinois here the past week, put on a great show, uh, was blown away. As you know, I'm a fan of the Cold Stairs, and I will say, even though their albums sound awesome, to see them live, you get a great appreciation of how kick-ass and awesome they really are. And I'd like to welcome in singer, guitar player Chris Tapp to the Hook Rocks once again, a third-time guest. And uh what's going on man how are you?
0: I'm great Jay thanks for having me again appreciate
2: it. As always man the new album is Heavy Shoes it's a great album. I know you know some of the stuff was released prior to a, you know it being on the album. There was some stuff that you released during the pandemic but this album is awesome. The show performance was great. As you guys, you know, have begun to tour again once the lockdowns are over and the pandemics are over, you know, how do you feel about you know what you're accomplishing right now, where you're at musically with the band?
0: Um, you know, I'm 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 optimistic and happy again just because you know we are actually out there playing and touring again, so um, you know, I, I think it's very easy to get um, sidetracked by all the rumors of everything that might happen and could happen. But I think at this point we've gotten to the point where if tomorrow looks good, let's go and let's go with tomorrow. But, you know, considering that 2020 was the shit show that it was and the last year has been pretty rough for us to have a new record out and it's to be doing well and it's to be playing shows. We just got back from Europe you know, all those shows, shows were sold out and we did amazing over there and, Fans are coming out in, here in the States, so we're happy, man. We're in a really good good place and have a really positive outlook on everything that's coming up.
2: What's that experience like for you going to Europe and having sold-out shows?
0: Uh, it was amazing. Um, we've been to Sweden uh, and Denmark once before in 2019, I think. And that tour uh, went really well for us being over there the first time. This this time was um, was amazing. I think I told you the other night. It, yeah, I think it was the perfect timing of our album and our band doing uh, quite well and doing a little bit better on the come up a little bit. And then people not seeing a show for a year and a half. So they were very, um, very into it. The energy was great at those shows. We had... People waiting out in the rain to see us, so it was it was humbling, and it was um, a nice shot in the arm that people still really miss and want to see, uh, you know, live music. So that was that was really good.
2: You know, when you go, you know, across the pond and you're in Europe and you're playing, do you know that you're going to have sold out shows? Do you know that people are going to you know connect with your music? Is it just you know, let's see what happens? Where does that? How does it all start for you guys?
0: Absolutely not with that one. (laughs) So, you know, we were a little nervous um, going over there because we had booked all these shows. We signed with uh, Trace Ombre's booking agency, um, I guess, mid-2020 and started talking about trying to get over there and do shows again. And, you know, it was tough enough to get the gigs. The venues over there are worried that um, they either have to be limited capacity or you have to do this or do that or you couldn't have... Uh, gigs at all and um they made guarantees with us for the shows. You know, so initially we were worried about people coming out and I just thought, you know, I, I just more either I want to get enough people out so none of these clubs lose money on us and so that we're able to come back over there and play again. I never wanna do a gig or do something and then the people pay us a bunch of money and the club loses because, you know, without the clubs there's there's no places to play. So we were, we were really humbled and shocked when we got over there and they were that, they were that full. The first night was probably, um, the smallest turnout that we had and it was still full. And that was like on a week night. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was great, but we initially had Sweden, Denmark, Germany, Belgium, Holland, and, we were ready to cancel the whole tour two weeks prior. And Philip, our agent at Trace Ombrex, was like, Hey man, just just give it one more week, you know, give it one more week. So one week ahead of when we were supposed to go over there, Denmark lifted um their restrictions on being able to fly to Denmark and Sweden hadn't, but we'd literally bought tickets a week before, um and we flew into Denmark, and we just thought, well, if we can get on the ground in Denmark and get our gear, then hopefully we're not stopped going across the board in Sweden and these gigs happen. And they did. You know, we were able to do all those shows and, and pull it off. But we were us a, a ton of money for plane flights, and it just was last minute. We didn't have a whole lot of time to advertise the tour. Luckily, Trace Ombrace did a great job. And then they also work with a company called Rootsy in Sweden. They booked these shows, and they did a great job of letting people know we were coming. So we're able to pull it off.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's kind of the name of the game. You know, you don't really know what's going to be happening with shows these days up until, you know, a week before, days before in some cases, because things are changing still. You know, things are from one day to the next. You don't know what life is going to bring.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: When you think of the album that you guys just did, and you think of the material that you released during the pandemic, you know the question for you guys is: you know, what's it like making music, creating music during a pandemic versus before versus prior to that? Um,
0: that's a good question. Um, you know, usually when we made music before we would get in a room together and I'd bring some songs in and we jam it out and arrange things. And we'd think about a studio and we'd go in and do that. And, you know, then a month later, two months later, we start releasing singles. And, um, this time we recorded everything and we really recorded the whole record except for three songs in one day, at Sam Phillips in Memphis. And then it was, trying to get back down there to finish the record and we were delayed in February. And then by the time we were able to get back down there in March, COVID had hit and and Memphis was locking down. So um, it was a very different experience than what we were used to. And then we just had to sit on the album for a while. We were in negotiations with mascot and we got that ironed out. In the meantime, we put out the black sunset EP and we were just trying to stay busy and be productive Um, and put stuff out but um, we never sat on a record that long before and I just had to kind of separate myself from it for a while not listen to it or um, I think there's a possibility of for me anyway working on something too long uh, overanalyze it or decide that I don't like something or whatever else rather than being in the moment and going okay this is where I am now these are the songs this is what I'm about and let's put it out so it was tough, man. It was a little bit different. I know that we will not make another record in that fashion, um, you know, where we just sit on it for a year, year and a half, just kind of waiting on it. Um, it's very easy and very easy to, um, to to overthink it when you do that.
2: It also is, you know, it's a victim of circumstance, too, right? I mean, I I, yeah. I bet that the idea or the plan was not to sit on it for a year, over a year but you know based on circumstance you really didn't have a choice and you know you you're right when you overanalyze something and it's not it doesn't be, it's not fresh anymore it becomes something that is so distant and you you try to stay connected with it i guess that's probably the biggest challenge is staying connected with the music that you wrote for this album because everything else is happening in life and in you know you're you're a musician you're creative and you rely on those experiences to keep pushing your creativity. But then when you're sitting on something that is, you know, when when you live through a pandemic, something a year later feels like 20 years. It has to be, uh, you have to kind of recharge and stay connected with it or try to stay connected
3: with it.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I looked at, after we recorded the record, I thought, man, this is kind of a dark a darker record than what we had made before, and I, and with this one, I just kind of allowed myself to go as dark as uh, it naturally went. But then, you know, once the pandemic hit, it's in writing the record. I was finishing lyrics in February, you know, just when things started, and I think I almost had felt, um, you know, kind of felt this darkness coming over us here, and just things to come, and it, you know, it definitely came through in the record, but. Um, so when we were finishing it, we added a few songs. We added uh, It's a Game, Save You From You, and Election Blues, all late summer 2020. And those, you know, again, this this record, I really just wrote kind of what I felt, what I was surrounded by. So hence, election, election Blues and It's a Game. Those are definitely, we're speaking to all the shit that was going on in the States. But, um, yeah, I think... Because of the pandemic and everything going on, I kind of was like, "Okay, I know it's dark. Well, I'm just going to let it be that dark." Um, because of everything that's going on, the next record will be um, quite a bit different than that. But as I look back, probably ten years from now, and listen to the record, I'm sure it will sound like 2020. <laughs> you know, hopefully in a good way to most people. But um, you know, and it is. It hopefully it's an album where people listen to it and go, "Okay." They went through that, too. We all went through that together. This is how you kick its ass and get through it. But, you know, it was a product of that time.
2: Did you feel it getting into a darker place like you mentioned? I mean, you you said, you know, the the album is darker than anything you released before. But, you know, when you're recording it and writing it, you know, did you realize what was happening with the tone of your music?
0: I knew well i'd written heavy shoes first and um the song heavy shoes and i um i was like you know the last record with ways we did um an, a, sec- a section of the record that was acoustic we did a section of the record that was blues and a section of the record that was rock and those songs were not um you know i don't know that the subject matter was that much different but they weren't they weren't as weighty um, in a different way, is what Heavy Shoes was. When I wrote Heavy Shoes, I thought, man, this, it feels really good just to get this off my chest. It feels really good to just say this and express this. And I like that track so much that I was like, okay, this is just going to be a template for the album. I'm going to allow myself to go this darker, this heavy through the record. And, um, you know, there were some other points that I thought. Like, In the Nighttime, Dust of My Hands, there was a couple songs on there that I thought, well, you know, it's not not as heavy, but it fits, it fits the record, you know? It, it sounds like a nighttime record. It doesn't sound like an afternoon record to me, and um, going through the record and writing stuff like Heavy Shoes and Hard Times, um, not only was I thinking about maybe stuff that I've been through or Brian's been through, but also things... That other people have been through that were kind of heavy and weighty on them, and um, you know, dusting my hands being about Native Americans and what they've gone through, and um, a couple of the other songs kind of focus on characters that um, I've come to know and love over the years. So, yeah, it it um, I don't think it was an issue allowing that stuff to come out, at least with this record.
2: You know, you and Brian have been partners for so many years with your music. Um, you know, do you guys, when you do decide to go into those areas that you haven't gone before, is it one or the other pulling each other in that? Are you guys both going in on that journey, you know, with each other? How does that work with you guys?
0: Um, man, lyrically, um, the the good thing about Brian and I is that we all, we've both kind of known our roles um, and um, we don't step on each other's feet too much, you know, with the lyrics, Brian's always been an advocate um, and, um, you know, a cheerleader that, that my songs are good. And, and, you know, I don't think the lyrics necessarily have to fit him or, or not fit him personally, but, he respects them enough that we go with that. So I don't get any feedback really on those except for, Hey man, that's great. Or that's not great. Or Hey, I I think that you're talking about this. Is that where it goes? And, um, so that's always been great in us playing together so long, uh, in knowing those roles, you know, when we go into the record, I'll just say, Hey man, I'm, this is kind of what I'm thinking about for this album. Um, and we're usually close enough on the same page that, you know, he says, "Yeah, yeah, that's what. That's great. We can do that." Or, you know, um, if we want to go a little bit this way, and then I'll say, "Hey, man, we're. I think we're going to go a little bit lighter, a little bluesier, a little rootsy." And he'll say, "Well, I could use this kit. And I could do this." And um, so he's great about that, and he's also a great arranger and partner as far in laying out as far as laying out the song. So I'll I'll write a song, bring it in, we'll bang through it, and then we'll analyze. The sections and he has always great input Uh, you know whether it's maybe we should go eight bars maybe we should go 12 bars maybe we should get heavy maybe we should get light and we just kind of talk it through it's fairly rare that we have an argument about something and um you know even not agree on something so um you know when you got five people in the band you've got one guy that really wishes he was a songwriter or really wishes the bass player was the guitar player you have those kind of issues and we just don't. Brian enjoys being a great drummer and, and a good ranger. And he's a studio cat and loves doing things in studio, being studio. I never go in to the studio with him and say, Hey, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. I'll say, what does Tamarine sound like on there? What would this kit sound like? And then he says that would work or that wouldn't work. And we, we try it or we don't try it and go from there, but a mutual respect and, um, I do say it's just a role thing. So we neither one of us really pull each other one way or the, or the other. There's been discussions of adding another person to the band, and he's adamantly against that. So we've had a little push and shove uh, in discussion on that. But in the end, nobody else knows this band better than him. So um, if he's that adamant against it, then I'll probably side with him on that.
2: One of the things that I noticed is... You know, as I said, he, the albums always sound great, right? You know, the music sounds great. When, when you go to a live Cold Stairs show, I mean, it's a holy shit moment. You know, I mean, it, it's, you know, you, you have this great tone on your guitar. You guys are so tight with each other. And Brian sounds amazing on drums. Like, he sounds great on the album. You guys sound great. But, like, when you see you guys, it's like, man, like, like it just elevates your music into a whole nother level.
0: Oh, well, thanks for for saying that, and um, I'm sure Brian would say the same thing. I, we were talking about, you know, we've done a runner shows now, so we did eleven in Europe. We came back, and we've done six or seven now in the Midwest. And uh, one thing that I I note that as we go through this is, man, we're really working. with, we're playing for an hour and a half, we're we're working. You know, there's a lot of drumming going on. We don't I don't spend a lot of time talking. I spend a lot of time talking between the songs, and we 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 work in, um, when it's right and the energy's right and the room's right. You know, it's like the show you saw in Joliet was a Wednesday night at 10 o'clock and and it was a great crowd, but it wasn't a huge crowd, but the the crowd that we had had a good energy. And when that energy is there, uh, there has always been something magical between us and the crowd. And it was there, uh, this Friday night in Evansville when we came in sold out show here in town and, it was just absolutely electric in there so i think that third element is maybe our third member and um we have always felt like on the on the right night we're much better live than we are on record so we have always been working towards and aspiring to making better and better records and also not limiting ourselves in the studio to say let's make the best best record that we can whether that means adding organ or background vocals or whatever else because We know we can, you know, even if we do the songs a little bit different live because we don't have that organ or whatever else, it's still we're still going to be able to carry it live. So um, nothing like playing live.
2: You know, when you think back of your story, as we've talked about on previous episodes with you on the show, and you deal with the challenges that last year faced and any other challenges that you guys go through, is there a sense between the both of you that because of, what's happened in the past and because of all that you've dealt with that there's really nothing that you guys can't overcome
0: i don't i don't know that that we i don't know that i personally think that there's nothing that we can't overcome but i think that we've gotten to a point where we laugh at things like uh, i think there's a lot of things that come at us that other bands or other situations would be like oh shit you know what are we going to do this is really tough maybe we shouldn't be doing this and with us, we've gone through so much that we're just like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's another thing. And we'll just kind of laugh it off. It's kind of like the song on the, on this record, hard times is kind of a thought of, you know, we were talking about walking under ladders and breaking mirrors and having a black cat. And, um, it's like after you go through so much stuff on a path to where you're trying to get to. Um, you kind of get used to the distractions and um, the challenges and you look at it in a way of, okay, this is, you know, this is another place we're going to have to pivot. But I don't know, man, there's a, it would take a whole lot for us to stop making music because we both love it and enjoy it so much. And we have always felt like that we, you know, I heard some, I heard uh, uh, the guitar player for, White Yoakum on a podcast the other day. I can't the name skips my mind right now, but he was great. And he said, you always have to believe in yourself more than somebody else does. If you take on a manager, if you take on a, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a fan or a friend or whatever else. If you don't believe in yourself more than them, you, you put that reliance on them to get you through. And I think we've, we've always thought, you know, we've played with bands like Rival Sons to me is one of the best bands Uh, in the world lives, rock and roll band. We've played with them and we hold our own. And, um, you know, we've played with some other bands that we really looked up to and admired. And we, so we have a confidence, not a cockiness, but a confidence that if we play our show and we do our thing, that, um, you know, that we can hang. We believe in ourselves as far as that goes. So we've always thought if we, if we do that, we continue making music and making records Maybe the market right now doesn't love, you know, 30, 40-year-old dudes making rock and roll or whatever. Maybe it'll come back around. But if it ever does come back around, we'll have a body of work and we'll have um, a history of music that will hold up and stand up. So even when things aren't great with us, we still believe that we're doing something that's valuable enough to keep doing it. So it a lot to make us quit, I believe.
2: Do you feel the tide is changing though, like you just mentioned you know when it does come back I think it is you know we're we're in the beginnings of a resurgence with all the great rock music that's being released and coming out and you know I see a lot more young people listening to it do you see do you feel the tide's changing or do you really have no idea yet i I, I feel like that it is there's
0: been a couple times over the last 10 years that I've thought that and it, and it didn't as much, you know? Um, but we continue to get mentioned in magazine articles and online stuff that, that lumps us in with the resurgence of the new classic rock or new rock or the new Southern or blues, um, uh, movement, you know? Um, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be a part and be mentioned in other bands with, you know, rival sons and Greta van fleet. And, um, you know, there's quite a few bands now five years ago, if a big band was going out on the road, you know, a big rock band, guns and roses type thing, there was only a, a list four or five deep of bands that were out there doing it still and hustling hard. That would be, you know, thinking, As good spots for opener. Tyler Bryant got a lot of those shows, you know, and and I think that now that list is a little bit deeper and it's also a little bit more, um, spread out. You don't, you know, we, we, we kind of cover what we do and there's quite a few other bands, you know, there's the dirty honey. That's a little bit more Aerosmith, you know, clutch does their thing. Rival sons is, a little bit more soul maybe with Jay's vocals and there it's it's filling out nice that there's a nice 15 or 20 band deep uh, rock and blues type thing out there right now. And for that reason, you know, maybe it is, I hope it is, but I, I will tell you right now that it's, if the hot thing was jazz and everybody was playing jazz or you know, for a minute there, it looked like everybody was playing neo soul on guitar or whatever else, you know, that's not our thing. We're going to continue doing what we do. When we say we love rock and roll and, and heavy blues, that's, we, we mean it. That's, that's what we do. So <laughs> it is what it is regardless.
2: You know, cause when I saw you guys this past week, I got a very uh, sabbath blues, ZZ top type of vibe during the show. And I thought that was really cool, really cool element that I didn't really, I mean, I've, I've heard it, but like when it, when you hear it, it's really front and center with you guys. Is that what you, what you're trying to convey?
0: Um, I think we just, I think about when we first started, we, the first record, especially I, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking influences. So we, we were just at the point where we were just going to really just naturally, I'm just going to write these songs. I didn't know if they sounded like Sabbath I didn't know if they sounded like Zeppelin or they sounded like men at work We just, I just wrote what naturally came to us and then after the record came out and subsequently some of the other ones we started getting some comparisons you know initially we would get black stripes or, uh, or white stripes and black keys you know, whatever those couple of two piece bands just because we were a two piece band that I always thought that that analogy was you know, was not correct. And I think over the time we've proved that. But about five years ago, right before I started writing, um, I guess it was on the Back of Mountain album when we started writing, started writing for Ways, it occurred to me that a lot of the bands that I loved, um, like when I was young, I had guys that were 10, 15 years older than me that I looked up to and they listened to. ZZ Top and Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses. My generation listened to like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and the Grunge movement. But I was influenced by those older guys very on, very early on, listening to those bands. But it occurred to me that like my son's fourteen, um, and kids that age, they don't have that reference. They they've grown up listening to what they listen to but their older group the guys that they look up to that are five and seven or eight years older than them they listen to the shit music you know it's sad it's uh, it's like the way that punk was refreshing probably coming away from disco these kids don't have that reference so if i play something for my son that's very easy top or that's very black sabbath or very cream or whatever they don't have that reference he doesn't know that that's where that's coming from and so i think i made a decision to go okay i'm gonna write a song that is going to be very you know any way the wind blows is, is a nod of the tip of the hat to zeppelin but my son didn't get that until he heard zeppelin and then i would say well this is what i was trying to emulate because i feel it's it's important for you to hear that generation to hear what a strong rock guitar with a really powerful riff, you know, can, what it can do to you with drums, you know? And, um, so, you know, I feel like we're trying to do that with the classic rock stuff, the same way that Zeppelin and cream and those bands took their love of early blues, blues music and put that in their song and try to put their spin on. We're, we're, we're just putting a spin on the music that we loved. um, and I don't mind wearing it on my sleeve, you know. I'm not one of those. I remember the Black Keys for a while; they would do interviews, and I remember reading and them saying that they they weren't a blues band and they weren't this. Dude, we. I'm in, I'm infatuated with blues. I'm infatuated with British rock. I'm infatuated with classic rock, and and um, I feel like it's the one truly American thing that we have is the blues. Um. Uh, American art form. I'm, I'm, I'm in love with all that. And I'm trying to emulate the things that I love a lot of times. If it doesn't sound just like it, a lot of times it's not because I'm not trying to be like it. It's because it just naturally comes out differently, you know? So, um, I don't mind those comparisons and I, it's a long way of going around to explain it, but I, I am, I'm happy to, to have any of those comparisons.
2: I also think too, when you hear, some of the music elitist or the music critics speak about the current state of rock music it's always like they're trying to define it because you know they they want to say oh the you know the blues based rock is boring it doesn't have a place in music anymore and i always say the reason or i shouldn't say the reason one of the reasons why rock music has struggled is its lack of wanting to connect with those classic rock sounds right I mean it should be a celebration of what is all great in rock music and of course you're always going to have people trying to be innovative or, or people trying to play something different and that's great too that should be welcome too as well but to completely shun what has come before and say well that's not what you know we should be doing right now I think that's the the wrong approach and when you look at the popularity of bands like Led Zeppelin who haven't made a record in 40 years and still be popular, there's a reason why they're still popular, right? Obviously, the songs are great, but it's still a celebration of that blues where everything comes from even now today.
0: Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I would say, you know, th- look, there's enough room in the bullpen for everybody. There's, I, I love I love stringed instrument music and it doesn't really matter to me if if you're playing guitar and you're actually playing your instrument and we're not doing, you know, tracks and playing with a laptop or whatever else. That's the kind of music I'm a fan of because it requires physical expression of the instrument requires, um, some work and some effort put into it. Um, having said that, looking at, you know, to your point about people slagging off on blues rock or, Uh, lumping stuff together the majority of those reviews that you read that are like that um you know those those guys are into techno music or hip-hop or something and i I like we got a review uh from uncut magazine on this record and it wasn't really favorable and it you know I, i don't it doesn't really bother me that much but i was just curious what the guy was coming from and i went and looked at his other reviews and you know he loves all these techno bands well you know i can understand that why would you be into what we're doing if you're into you know trip hop or whatever it is that he, he's into so i think there is a when you find people that that really love blues rock and really love blues and acoustic music and folk music and rock and roll um you, you don't get that you know it, and nobody wants to have a band come out and directly emulate another band to the point where they look like that they are a karaoke band of that. Everybody should be taking the music, and I'm preaching but I I can't uh, again, everybody can do whatever they want to for me personally, I want to see a band do something a little bit differently. Clutch is a great example. Clutch doesn't really sound exactly like anybody else other than Clutch. Cheap Trick doesn't sound like anybody other than Cheap Trick. You can hear Beatles influences, you can hear you know, other stuff in there, but nobody does Cheap Trick like Cheap Trick, the same way with a lot of bands. Now there's a few bands that came out in the last 10 years that sound and look like they're directly emulating another band, and it hurts the genre, it hurts rock and roll, it hurts um, the movement because you can't take it seriously. You know, Jimmy Page wore the clothes he wore, In 1969, because that was the fashion in 1969, and he was being who he was. If you wear those same clothes in 2021, when nobody else wears that, it looks like you were trying to play Halloween and dress up like Jimmy Page. And that that shit doesn't help anybody. Be who you are, and and it's fine to wear your influences on your sleeve. I think that's great. But when you get too hokey with it, then it it hurts hurts the, the genre. It hurts rock and roll. And then the other thing I would say is when we say that people don't really dig rock and roll the way that they do other genres right now, I feel people have not been in a room and felt the power of what rock and roll does. You know, you have kids that they're into electronic or whatever else, and they listen to all this stuff on their laptops or on their iPhones, and they've never experienced what it's like to be standing in a room and have a band on stage, you know, that's feeling it and singing, you know, songs that they mean. And, and you've got amps and you've got bass and you've got drums and you have people that are performing. And it's just, once you, to me, whenever I saw that the first time, um, you know, it, 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 it hooks you. There's There's nothing that you can go to and hear a DJ spinning on a laptop that is going to be as powerful as you know seeing the cult on stage or seeing you know Rival Sons in a, in a small venue in you know some city. It's just it's just not it's apples and oranges, and sadly, a lot of kids and a lot of people these days haven't had that experience.
2: No, I, I absolutely agree. I, I've you know taken my son to so many shows. And I I tell all their parents I'm like you got to take them to a rock show because they'll never experience anything like that or they haven't experienced anything like that. And once you like you said once you get hooked like the name of the show you you're you're never going back. I mean it's it, it's set in stone. I mean I took my son to his first concert when he was five, and that was Butch Walker in Kentucky. He was he's been a rock fan ever since. He's seen Metallica, he's seen Maiden, he's seen. Rival Sons, he's seen you know all these bands, and you know what's really cool is he's even told me he's like, you know, seeing my friends listen to my music, and then all of a sudden they're listening to it, and then they're telling other people about the music. He's like, that's so awesome. I'm like, that's that's how it was done when 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 I was growing up. You just shared music and you listened, and you were all fans of these bands or that bands, and you just grew with each other with the music.
0: I completely agree and and I think when you think about it you know it's not that it doesn't take talent to have a you know you can have a recording studio on your laptop and you sit in your bedroom and you can write a song that means a lot to you and you can record it and put it out I'm not taking away from any of that at all or the creativity and the beauty of songwriting but to be a fan of a songwriter is one thing to be a fan of bands and and a genre of music that is based around live performance. It's it's, it's a different thing. So I I commend you for taking your kiddo to do that. I've done the same with mine. I know Brian has with his kids because it is, um, you know, it's different. It's performance of the music really gives you more of an insight of what, what it's about, you know, and I think a lot of times, listening back to the records, once you've seen it live, it's like,
2: oh, yeah, I know know what that feels like, you know. As you look at this album and, you know, the opportunities are being presented for you or to you, you know, whether it's going to Europe, you know, whether it's, you know, touring the Midwest like you did, what is coming next for you guys as a result of this album?
0: I think that we have an opportunity. We have a little bit more muscle now behind us. With The, the, the record deal with Mascot has been great, and we're doing another couple records with them. And it, it, I think it's given us a little bit more muscle to explore a little bit more if we want to. Um, and, you know, Spotify also, for example, Spotify and iTunes, everybody slags on the payout on that. And I'm totally with that. We should be getting paid. All of us should be getting paid more than what we are for art, but it has allowed us to wake up on a Monday morning and find out that we have a hit in New Zealand or right now we have a number one song in um, Italy. We've had, we've been in the top five in Italy within the nighttime for about a month now, which is, you know, that, that's because of internet and streaming and whatever else we get out and and we find these new fans and new opportunities around the world. So that has created has uh, created opportunities that we wouldn't have had before. Um, this record's done really well so far uh, for us. We did a million streams in the first week, and um, luckily we have a team around us that's helped. But I think you know the the thing with us is, especially after a year and a half not touring. Uh, the success so far has given us the opportunity to get out and tour and to capitalize on that. And, um, we go back to Europe in October. We do Aftershock Festival in Los Angeles, which is a dream gig for us to be playing on the same stage as Metallica and you know, some of the heavier bands that we dig. Um, but I think more than anything, with this record and kind of success that we've had later, we can kind of smell what could be. And so now, you know, just the blue-collar work ethic in both of us is like, okay, we kind of see what this could be. What requires of us now is is turn it back up and, and put some more hard work behind it and not be negligent of one single fan or one single opportunity or not take a moment or, you know, anything for granted.
2: You know, you mentioned the Aftershock Festival playing on the stage with Metallica. You know, that's a huge opportunity. That's a huge step. And I I think when I see you guys and, and see the band and see the music that you're putting out is since I've started listening to you guys, which is, I think, 2018, and had you on this show in 2019, I... I continue to see like a progression with you guys. Like every time I turn around, there's another step you guys are taking forward. And even during the pandemic, which was a challenge and difficulty for so many artists, it seems like you guys have come through taking or continuing to take steps forward. Um
0: yeah, it's probably the resilience of the band is is just because of some of the crap we went through early on. Um, and I think we, you know, my wife has a small business, um, and my dad was small business. Uh, Brian's dad was blue-collar working gal his life, and we looked at those people around us that made examples of, you know, just having a good work ethic. And so, um, you know, I think with us, we feel guilty if we're not working. Or, you know, I get my wife gets on me all the time about Hey, you gotta, you gotta turn it off for a couple hours because we'll work 15, 18 hour days, um, to get stuff done. And we probably put a little bit too much on ourselves sometimes, but I, I don't know another way of, of getting it done other than, <laughs> other than hard work. So we're trying, you know, we just try to, you know, I've, I've heard enough of, I've had enough advice and seen enough people that, that learn how to pivot, uh, when things get complicated and then, you know, you take that on and, and, you know, just like with COVID and everything else, there was, I mean, we were stifled for about three months. I, I was depressed for about three months. We both were just like, we had no clue what to do but you just have to pick yourself up and decide, well, I'm going to keep on doing this. i have to figure out the, the turf has changed now. So how do we win this war? What do we do to be different about that? And the other thing is to pay attention to those people that you admire around you that are working hard and that are being successful. Joe Bonamas is a good friend of mine. And, um, I look at his work ethic and some of the other people that, that are successful and you emulate that, you know, you just, you, you you take a little bit of what this person's doing that you like, and a little bit of this person, and you pay attention. And does that work for us, or does it not work for us? And uh, we're in a position now where we get people who ask us for advice on the things that we've done, and I'm always super glad to help because we've had people help us, and um, you know, I feel like it's it's good karma to to continue hustling.
2: One of my favorite quotes from doing the show is from Blake Allard, the guitar player for Joyous Wolf. And I was asking him about his thoughts on the state of rock. And he's like, you know, I really don't think about, you know, where this band or where our band fits in the state of rock or the relevancy. We just try to make good music. And if it's good, people will find it. And that's such a, a great perspective because it is true, especially in today's day and age where you know technology has the ability for a band like the cold stairs to you know get get exposure at places like italy or belgium or denmark or wherever you guys were touring and also here in the states where you know if it's good music people will find it eventually
0: i would agree with that and i think that's why you know i like a lot of different style music i think if it's coming from the heart and it's good then you know i, I become a fan and i think that's the mindset to have. I think, I think over time I've, I've learned that, um, things that are honest will always succeed one way or the other. I mean, you have a guy like Iggy pop. That's not necessarily a great singer, or you can have somebody that's not necessarily a, a shredder guitar player or somebody that's, um, you know, super well learned on their instrument, but they, they perform and they, They artistically built something that is very honest. And when you hear somebody say something, whether it's in a speech or whether it's in a film or whether it's in a conversation and they are really telling you something that's very honest to them. I think as humans, we recognize that and go, okay, even if I don't agree with it, even if I don't love it, I can respect and appreciate that. So I think to his point, if you continue making music, and you're being true to yourself and you're doing the best you can and you're speaking about things, uh, that, you know, and love eventually, um, I believe as humans, we, we all give an ear to that, you know, at some point.
2: As you guys keep moving forward, the, you know, the next dates you're going to do, are they going to be, you know, you guys going out there on your own headlining? Where do you guys, what's the next step for you guys?
0: We just uh, got some news from uh, booking agency on Friday. It looks like we're going out with the band Larkin Poe um, for September. So we'll be out touring with them in September. First week of October, we're in Los Angeles. Uh, I think we got a show in Vegas and Los Angeles and then Sacramento with uh, Aftershock Festival on the 10th. And then on the 12th, we leave for Europe for three weeks and then, November we have a couple tours that we're working on, um, that we may the co-headliner pick, get picked up on. So just work, 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 and and tour. And uh, that's one thing about us: we were really blessed when we were in Europe. We we had people at the last two or three shows that were at the first couple shows that were driving four or five hours to see us play. And I, you know everybody said it before, but to really get out and and sell a record you've got to get out and play and so hopefully all this will continue um, steamroll and continue to help us sell this record and get new fans but that's that's uh, right now we're just trying to make sure that every every show that we play that we spend time with the fans afterwards and and we play the best show that we can do and you know just like like i said on the show in joliet versus kansas city on saturday night place is packed and whether it's five people or 5,000 people, we're trying to give them everything that we got.
2: That's the only way to go. I mean, the opportunity with Larkin Poe is, it's a tremendous opportunity for you guys. I mean, that's a great audience for you too as well.
0: I think so. Yeah. They're, they're incredibly talented uh, songwriters and band and, and live performers. Um, so hopefully we share some of the same fans. I think we will. And then we add to that tour. So, we're looking forward to playing some great venues and a couple markets that we hadn't been in before. So um, it should be should be great for everybody involved. I hope.
2: I brought my friend to the show last Wednesday, and he's in from LA. We, I grew up with him. We used to be roommates. He used to be in a local rock band here in Chicago. Now he's out in LA in, in the business out there. And I was planning on going to the show by myself because it's Wednesday night. Nobody wants to make the trek out to Joliet. So he comes with me, he gets in the car. I'm like, I have not listened to this band. I'm going in cold, right? I have, I have not heard one song from him. I'm like, all right, man, you're going to like them. The second song in, he turns to me and he's like, dude, <laughs> he goes, these guys are awesome. Like, these guys are a jam. And he's a hard person to impress. And I tell you, man, that show that I saw you guys play, it was a treat. It was, it was great to finally see you guys in concert.
0: Well, thanks, man. We well, appreciate you um, coming out and bringing some friends. And that's the way, you know, that's still the way it grows. It's the same as it did in the 50s and 60s and everything else. It's turning one person on to it and they they share it with a friend and it, it moves on like that. And, um, you know, we're, we are super thankful every every person that listens to our music and comes out to these shows. And um, especially after everything that we've been through, maybe we're a little... Uh, extra thankful and appreciative of it.
2: Well, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate the conversation. Always welcome to come back on the show. Always a treat to have you on the Hook Rocks.
0: Very, very glad to be on here and very great to, to put a face with a, a voice and meet you. And uh, thank you for having us and thank you for supporting us.
2: Anytime, man. Thank you very much. Everybody, that's, that's Chris Tapp from The Cold Stairs. I am Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. We'll talk again soon. They'll say
1: I'm a fool. Oh, but I can't speak a word without calling your name, playing it cool. Put it on staff But if your love is a river I'm ready to drown Just keep holding